things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, um, this is a podcast for imperfect people, and uh, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. family, this next series of episodes of the podcast are going to be the messages I've been preaching uh, over the last uh, 2022, 2023 uh, here in my home church, Hope St. Pete. Uh, I pray that they bless you. I pray that they, I pray that they inspire you in your faith, grow you in your faith, and grow you in your feelings. Yep. Okay. Love you. Bye. <laughs> that was very intense. <laughs> Okay, so I don't know if you know there's a gigantor hole behind me, and I'm super accident prone. So there's no way I was going to preach from that. I told my husband today, if you want to see me fall down that hole, that would be the day. So Chadi, what do you mean you're accident prone? One time I was vacuum cleaning, and I vacuumed over a piece of metal, and the metal went flying up. I was a grown adult when I did this, and it hit me in the eye. And then in panic, it hit me in the eye, I grabbed my eye, I fell to my knees, I then landed on the industrial uh, vacuum cleaner uh, wire that then came flying out of the wall. Um, I don't know if you've ever vacuumed with an industrial vacuum. Those jokers have like the largest plug thing. It came flying at me, hit me dead in the nose, knocked me unconscious. I woke up about seven minutes later with a bloody nose and a weird eye thing. I looked like I had been beaten up by the vacuum cleaner. So I just want you to, and that's not, don't look at me like that. I don't need your judging. Uh, You're in the front row. You know what I need from you? Moral support. (laughs) So I walked up to pray and I went, oh no, no, that's not going to work out for me at all. So, because you love me and um, because I printed out my wrong notes, you're going to let me do this joker by memory and we're going to believe that God's going to do something awesome. Okay, so we're in a brand new series. Look at that cute baby. I just want to hold your baby while I preach. I won't do it, but if he starts crying, look, I'll do it. If he, edit, if he gets anything, just right here. It'll be so fun. Thank you. Okay. Oh, it's so cute, little baby. Okay, hi, online audience. This is how we do it here at Liberty Church St. Pete. Um, We're going to jump in. Okay, little context. Context is very important since we're going to be talking about a story in the Old Testament that needs a lot of context given. So I don't want to just read the story and you guys be like, nobody knows what that is. That's not important at all. It is. It's super important. We're talking about rebuilding, okay? Oh, yeah, now I look skinny. Great, thank you for the lights. Okay. You guys are like, you don't look skinny. It's fine, I know, I know. (laughs) Anyways, so, little context. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. Now, something you need to know. The book of Nehemiah and the book in front of it, Ezra, they're actually one gigantor book, which... That was a lot of reading for me, if I can be real honest. So I love to read, so I was like, let's do it. I read all of Ezra, I read all of Nehemiah. It's really just one book. So if you ever get froggy and you want to read one of them, read them both together. One of them is about rebuilding the temple. The other one's about rebuilding the walls. Look at me. I just gave you the footnotes. You're going to thank me later. Okay, so, but we're going to be in Nehemiah. We're talking about Nehemiah. Let me give you a little context. The Israelites, as we know, at this point in the Old Testament, have been exiled. Uh, Babylon uh, went in there, took the southern kingdom. Assyria took the northern kingdom. And for 70 years, the Hebrews have now lived in Persia that area. They have been in exile for about 70 years, and uh, what happens is there's a guy, his name is Nehemiah, 
and he has a pretty cool job. His job is when the king is going to eat, he tastes his food. I thought that was kind of a good job. I was like, how do I get that job? I'd like that job, Lord. And so it's like kind of like a uh, cupbearer is what it's called. But pretty much this Jewish guy, he is the taster of food of the king, Antaxerxes. I'm going to mess up his name a couple times. Let's just call him A for short. You know who I'm talking about. So the Xerxes guy, he's like, before he eats his food, he's like, hey, Nehemiah, is it good? And he's like, it's delicious. Okay, they, okay. Anyway, so here we find this guy in Nehemiah 1, and his brother shows up. And his brother's like, yo, I know you're not living in Jerusalem, but you should know it's crazy town USA there. The walls have fallen, heads, heads are falling off. Like, it's just, it's not good, okay? And he's like, really? Is it bad? He's like, yeah, it's horrible. It's super sad. His brother tells him about the walls. They've been completely deteriorated. And he's just, he gets super sad bear, like super sad bear. And we find him in chapter two, which is where I'm going to start reading from today. I just felt like you needed that context. So if I started reading, you'd be like, lady, I don't know what you're talking about. Great. Okay. So our entire new series is called Rebuild. It's about Nehemiah and him rebuilding the walls and all the things we also need to rebuild within ourselves. I don't know about you guys, but the last two years definitely knocked down some walls. For me, uh, it knocked down walls of security. It knocked down walls of finances. It knocked down walls of like, I mean, I changed careers in the middle of the pandemic. Like, and this is not it. I have an actual day job. So you guys are like, oh, you're here. No, this is not the one. This. <laughs> you know, a year and a half ago, I was making documentaries. I don't know if you guys know that. I was literally traveling the United States, writing and creating TV shows for a Christian a radio, um, Christian radio. I'm 40. It's a TV, TV streaming service. And then uh, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I switched to doing creative stuff again. Like for me, there was a lot of things that really shifted in the pandemic in the last couple years. I mean, I, I would say everything, my entire life. My God, I moved to a completely new city, completely new situation. Everything feels, I'll be honest with you, because we're family, dismantled. Walls torn down a bit. Can anybody relate to feeling a little bit like that? Is anyone else not watching the news anymore? Yeah, so sad, Bear. Nobody needs that. I need to watch Bridgerton season two again. I'm just saying. I haven't watched it. It's bad. Don't watch it. Just don't watch it with your parents. And so, I said that out loud. Ooh, it's going to be weird later. Okay, so, things feel dismantled. But I felt like the Lord told me two things before I even started preaching this message, just to encourage you. Can I just encourage you? Can your pastor just love you today and encourage you with something? The first thing is the best is always ahead. It says in the word, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews says the joy was set before him. Guys, I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what walls of holiness and righteousness and every other S that has been knocked down. I'm here to tell you that the best is ahead. And it's always ahead. The second thing I felt like the Lord wanted you to know is that he's still on the throne. He's good. He's not like sitting up there telling the Holy Spirit, Did you, can you believe that happened? No, he knew. He knew, and he's still God. God is still good, and God is still God. Oh, is that me? No? 
okay, cool, I won't touch it anymore. They're making me talk in the Britney Spears mic today so they can EQ it. And honestly, guys, I don't know what to do with my hands. So now I have all this room to lunge in this. So you're going to get a lot of that today. You're welcome. Anyways, God is still on the throne. There is a Bible verse. I have said these things to you, that in me you have peace. Because in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So before we even go into how you're going to rebuild these walls, I want you to know that God is still God and God is still good. He's still God of the broken walls. He's still God of all of it. And I just want you to be encouraged today as we navigate this together. So you have the historical context. This is where we find ourselves. <sighs> Most of us feel dismantled. Most of us feel like we're just navigating and trying to put bricks back together. But I will tell you the bricks that we're trying to put back together, the financial stability, the career advancement, the physical health, or whatever temporal security you think you have, it's not going to be put together without Jesus. Because really, Jesus is the only builder. Jesus is the only real architect. Jesus is the only real surgeon of our heart and the things that we have to navigate. I know this for myself personally, and I know this for you. The wall we must rebuild around our lives is spiritual. So many times we look at our lives and we say, God, how can you fix this? Is that me? Oh, it's my hair. Wait for it. You like that? This is why they don't let me try things out and lunge and lunge. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Guys, I wrote this down that we build bricks. We build the bricks of our spirituality. We build them up. We build these walls with prayer, with discipleship, with the Holy Spirit, with stewardship, integrity, repentance, grace, forgiveness, and unity. And there's four ways that we do this because the truth is you can rebuild whatever you want. Um, and I'm going to read this story in Nehemiah so that you understand where I pulled this from. But guys, rebuilding walls alone stinks. Rebuilding walls together is easy. My husband likes for me to go on walks with him. I don't know if you've seen me, nothing about me says cardio. And so <laughs> he's always like, do you want to go for a walk? No. You know, what happen you know what happens on walks? Dateline NBC, 2020, true crime. That's what happens on hikes. I don't, my mom made me used to watch those 80 shows about white vans. And so I have this thing about being in places where you might get kidnapped. You know what I'm saying? And my husband's just like, no. Let's go for a walk in that dark place. So one of these places that we did this was in Jamaica. My husband talked me into a cruise. I hate cruises. One time we were on a cruise and the cruise stopped in the middle of the ocean. Okay, that's a real life story. And I went and I stood by a boat for eight hours because I thought it was the Titanic and we were going down. Boats are stupid. I'm Cuban. I don't want to be on a boat. Anyways, <laughs> that joke is only funny for me. Anybody else says it, you'll be in trouble. Anyways, so... We're in Jamaica, and he's talked me in to a private beach. You know what happens on private beaches? Dateline. So here we are. We're on this beach. There's nobody on the beach, guys. Nobody on the beach. And he's like, babe, let's go for a walk. I'm like, I don't want to leave our passports and all of our stuff. This is where we get robbed. This is where we end up on a TV show that I don't want to be on. And so he's like, look at the beautiful waterfall. And look at the waterfall. It's literally a waterfall going in from the ocean. It's fresh water. It's beautiful. And so I reluctantly take the walk. Now, what he doesn't realize is there's a dude in the, in the forest right there in, like, cutoffs and a wife beater. Yeah, I don't know if you can say that, but that's what it is because I'm, you know, 41. And so he's like, 
like looking super sketchy and he's got the shirt and the thing and it's torn and it's scary. And I go, he's coming to get us. He's coming to get us. This is it. This is how we die. He's like, bro, that's the security. I'm like, it's not. He gets in the waterfall. He has his moment. It's amazing. He's just there. I'm taking pictures. And I'm like, can we go back now? I did not enjoy the process. It was horrible. I did not even get in the water because I get attacked by fish. I mean, everywhere. It's just always an issue for me. Hello, vacuum. Okay? And so, but I will tell you this, man. He did not enjoy it because we did not do it together. And there's so many things in our lives that if we don't do together, it's just not good. And I regret it because now I go back and I look at those pictures and I go, I'll never be there again. And there's moments where you feel exiled like Nehemiah. There's moments where your God has given you favor in front of a king and you're not going to want to do anything for anybody because you're just good where you're at. But that's not Nehemiah. Nehemiah finds out that his people are exiled and that the walls have collapsed. And so he goes to the king in 2-1. In the spring of the month of Nisan, at the start of the new year, Artaxerxes had been king 20 years. And at a feast, wine was brought to him. And when it had passed all the examinations, remember he had to taste it before he could give it to the king, I gave it to him. Now you must understand that in the presence of the king, it is not custom to openly express emotion, especially sadness. And then the king says to Nehemiah, you look disturbed, I know you're not ill, the sadness I see is the sadness of the heart. What is wrong? And as I stood there before the king, I was very afraid. May your life and reign extend forever, king. Why should my face look anything but sad? My homeland is destroyed. My city is a heap of rubble. Its once mighty gates are nothing more than charred tinder. This is the place where my ancestors are supposed to rest, but the very ground where they lie is ruined. And the Antaxerxes says, well, what do you want? And he goes, all at once I prayed to the God of heaven to make my request to the king. And Nehemiah said, if I have won your favor, my king, and if it is your pleasure, send me to the city where my ancestors are buried. Let me rebuild the city of Judah. And with the king sitting beside him, the king continued to probe, how long will your journey be? When are you looking to return? And then I knew I had received his blessing and he was sending me. In response to this question, I set a time. God has put some of you in places with favor to help people. What does that mean? Some of you guys have jobs that other people would dream and wish for. Some of you have favor with friends and community that others would just dream about. And what do you do with that is my question for you today. Are you rebuilding the walls of your spirituality with that? Or are you just hanging out with the king? I like exit rows. I sit there for the leg room not to help people. <laughs> Honest moment. I'm really just there for the leg room, Jen. <laughs> and I was sitting in an exit row on my last trip this week. And I told, I was like laughing internally when the lady was like, I need a verbal, yes, that you're there to help people and open the door. And I was like, mm-hmm, yes, Carla, I'm going to do that. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, oh, you're here for the perks and not the purpose. And some of us are here for the perks and not the purpose. And I felt like that with the Lord. 
Like, Lord, am I not rebuilding the walls within my heart and within my soul and every holiness and righteousness because I'm just here for the perks and not the purpose? And so I guess my question for you today, you can throw the first one up. Oh yeah, that's my sermon title. Rebuilding requires sacrifice. That's the first thing I want you to know today. You can't just sit in the exit rows of life and not actually care about people. Nehemiah, he sacrificed his relational equity and he sacrificed possibly his life to ask to go back and build the walls. Guys, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to build the kingdom. It takes sacrifice. Somebody once said, Chadi, it doesn't take anything to build the kingdom because Jesus already built it. And I was like, no, you're right, you're right. But building the church does take sacrifice. And when I say the church, I don't mean this building. This building is not the church. You're the church. You're the church. You're the church. I feel like Oprah. You're the church. (laughs) We are the church. Building each other up. Building the walls of each other's spirituality and holiness and righteousness. It takes sacrifice. What does, that, what, what does that mean practically? For me, it means getting up at 4.30 like I did this morning to spend time writing and reading and spending time in the Word because I knew today was going to be an early day. Some of you are like, Chadi, you don't get up at 4.30 every day? No, no, I don't. Some of you already know what that looks like, reading the Word, in prayer, loving people, connecting with people. You know, I thought about how <sighs> sacrifice coming to church every single Sunday it's a sacrifice to come every Sunday. And they're like, Chadi, but you're the pastor. Yeah, I know, but this is not like my day job. <laughs> like, I, like, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to come. I've been to church every Sunday since I was like five years old. I feel like I deserve a break sometimes. And the Lord's like, you do. But you know what? This is your time, your talent, and your treasure. Like my husband said this morning to me, he goes, babe, you know what's so cool? is like we get to give back. It's like our tithe. We give back our time. You start the week in church on Sunday. Dude, that's a sacrifice. You kicked off the week. You kicked off the week saying, God, it is yours. Can you imagine what a blessing the rest of your week would be if you changed your mindset and realized that you said yes to Jesus at the get? And so no matter what Friday, Saturday looks like, you know that you gave him your Sunday. It's an hour. You guys are like, I know, I'm here. But I want to encourage you that consistency is key. Consistency is strength. Consistency in reading your word, consistency in praying, consistency in wrapping yourselves around other people and loving them and showing them, hey guys, we're not just here for the perks, but we're here for the purpose. The second thing that he did is like sacrifice looks like an ask. Sacrifice not only looks like sacrifice, but sacrifice looks like an ask. He had to ask that dude, hey, can I go? You know what was so cool? It's like, I won't read all 14 of these chapters, but the king literally goes, yeah, and not only am I going to send you, I'll send you with my army. I'll send you with protection. Guys, I don't want to go into the week without God's army. I don't want to go into the week without his protection. I don't want to go into the week without community, without you guys, without Pastor Jen calling me during the week, and all, you know, the, you guys that text me and find, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want that. I want your text, Cheyenne. I love your texts. I love your phone calls. Hey, are you resting? Hey, are you doing all the things? Like, community, guys, there is no better way to build the walls of spirituality and righteousness and holiness and godliness with people around you. 
Sacrifice looks like an ask. And so I'm going to ask you something. Are you truly walking out this church thing attached? (laughs) Chadi, what do you mean? Like, do you just come to church because it's like a thing to do, or do you come to church because you want to build walls? And not the walls of this place. This place is good to go. I mean the walls of your heart. Do you come here intentionally, intentionally going, God, these are the things that I need? I love the word. It's like ask, seek, knock, and it'll be open to you. Do you come in expectant? Because I came in today expectant. I came in today believing that God was going to do something that he hasn't done before. And what he did is he, there was a huge hole and I had to preach from here. Do you flex when you need to flex? I'm not real flexible. Let's be real honest, guys. I don't like change. I believe change is the devil, but that's not true. Change is a byproduct of growth. I hear you, Jesus. But we got to be flexible. We got to be flexible. We got to be attached to the right things. What are you attached to? I always say, like, what are you ingesting? Like, what is, like, okay, so I was on keto for, like, 10 months, and I lost, like, 80 pounds. It was awesome. Because um, I actually have a gluten intolerance and I'm lactose intolerant. And I'm missing about half of my intestines. So anyways, if you see me eating a cheeseburger, knock it out of my hand. Okay. And then I started eating my feelings because I got sad. And stuff happened. And I've dealt with probably some of the most grief of my life over the last two years. Like this message, like I read it and was mad that I had to preach it. Because then I have to admit to you as your pastor that, yo, I don't have it all together. I don't. But what I do have is sacrifice. What I do understand is that if I place myself in his house, I'll be blessed. If I place myself and attach myself to the right people, God will bless me. Because the walls that I need to build within myself, I can't help you build yours if mine aren't built as well. You know? And I know some of you are in places that you're not surrounded by Christians every day. Congratulations. That's what real ministry looks like. Ministry's not working for a church. It's not. You're a lighthouse. How are you going to be a lighthouse around other lighthouses? You ever seen a lighthouse that's in the middle of nowhere? In the storm and in the sea and the waves. You know what you are? A lighthouse. A city on a hill that cannot be shaken. That's who you are. So make sure you're attached to the right things. Some of you, it may, it may mean joining the church. It may mean doing Making Liberty Home. No pressure, because I'm going to go over everything we do in Making Liberty Home today, and you will have already done it. You're welcome. <laughs> Why not? I haven't gone through it. We might as well do it together. Because <laughs> I just got here. It was a joke. I just became the pastor. Okay, you guys, it's fine. That was way funnier than you gave it to me. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. You guys watching online? Pastor Jen laughs at all my jokes because I pay her. (laughs) So sacrifice looks like an ask. And I'm asking you, just attach yourself to the right things. That means even during the week, what are you watching? Who are you hanging with? What you doing? If, If you would be embarrassed to tell your pastor what you're doing during the week, you probably shouldn't do it. It's true. If somebody can't look at your phone and be like, oh my God, what are you doing? That's a problem. You know what I mean? Get yourself some accountability. Get yourself attached to the right things. I know that for me, I look at it through the filter of health because I was really, really intense so healthy before I got sad bear and started eating my feelings. 
And so for me, I'm attaching myself to healthy people that constantly remind me that one time I was skinny. You know? Don't look at me, I'm not working out with you. Your arms immediately scared me and I saw your face, I saw the way you looked at me. Don't look at me like that. Jen, go get your friend. <laughs> she just looked at me was like, really? And I was like, no. No, I'm gonna hang out with Kaylee who's like baby stepping me through the way. I don't need you. You scare me. I, I can't, I have no upper body strength, none. Like if it was like I have to do a push up or fight a shark, I would jump, I would do like a belly flop into the water to fight a shark because I have no upper body strength. Just feel like you should know that because you gave me an eye that was like, let's lift weights together. And I was like, I can't do it. All right, we're just gonna continue on with the story because that got real weird. <laughs> and so we find Nehemiah, dude, he gets there and he encounters haters. Shocker. Isn't it funny when you finally attach yourself to something good and you finally move in with purpose that some dudes come that stink and I have words for them that I won't say because I already said wife beater and I shouldn't have said it. And like there's just haters, just bad people. You know what I'm saying? Like you all, I mean, how many of you got a hater in your job that you just wish you could maybe karate chop with a chair in a face? Yeah, like you know what I'm saying? Everybody's got that one person that you're like, you're so sweet. I love that you love the Lord so much that you didn't raise your hand because you don't because you're a kind person. She's like, no, I pray for them. Okay well I just secretly hope I could maybe face slap them so like everybody's surrounded by haters and Nehemiah was surrounded by haters there were people actually there who were looking over the wall who were overseeing Jerusalem who were not Jewish and they were not happy that this dude just showed up with reinforcements what's he gonna do what's he doing right now why is he here what is he trying to do guys there's gonna be people that are not happy about you trying to build the walls in your heart there's going to be friends that are going to be mad at you because you don't want to do that no more. There are going to be people in your life, family members in your life, people that you've been attached to that are not going to be happy about you sacrificing. But I look at this and you know what? Sacrifice looks like family. Guys, we got, like, we got to really know each other. We do that in this church by joining community groups leading community groups, being in a group. We're going to do summer groups. They're going to be awesome. We have new groups coming. But everybody in this church that is part of a community group will say, it's been really life-changing. What, what group are you attached to? What are you doing? Who are you attached to that is building up the walls of your life? Who are you accountable to? Who are you accountable to? If you're not accountable to somebody, come see me afterwards. I'm great at keeping people accountable. Ask Sarah Kate. It's real aggressive, and I don't mean to be. She's always like, it's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you all right? And I'm like, yeah. Let's just be aggressive and love Jesus together. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what? There's walls that need to be built, and there's people that are really struggling. I mean, I've had conversations with some of you here about the level of struggle bus that people are walking through. And gosh, we as the church need to be the church, don't we? So many people think the church is a building. That's not the church. You're the church. You're the church. You're the church. We are. We get to be the lighthouses of love to the world. But it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. I put this down that family knows your business. They know your facial expressions and they know the real you. I tell my husband sometimes it's so hard for me to like, I feel like I have seven jobs. And I want to get to know you guys so much better. Miss Linda sat me down about two weeks ago. She said, girl, you just need to do what you need to do. Well, she's learned my facial expressions over the last couple of weeks. She just looked at me and knew something was wrong. And I'm so thankful for people that are like family. 
I'm so thankful for the people that just know, see your face and they know. They see you smile, but what they see is not that you're really smiling. They see it in your eyes. Like those are the type of people I want in my life. And that's the type of people that you guys, you need in your life. And you do that by getting connected, by being attached. Chadi, you've already said that. I know, but I just want to repeat it in case you missed it the first time. Connectivity strengthens. I think about the redwood trees. Anyone ever been to see the redwood trees in like uh, Northern California? You have, babe, put your hand down. Put your, my husband raised his hand. I didn't see this, thank you. I didn't see this until I was in my 40s. My husband took me to California. It was like a bucket list thing. So during COVID, nobody was traveling. So we're like, you know what we're gonna do? Travel. And so we went to, to California in the middle of COVID. Don't do it. It was not good. It was super scary and it looked like an apocalypse. Anyways, so we went to the Redwood Forest. Guys, it's like twilight. <laughs> No, but with no vampires. Like, it was like Twilight. Like, it all, anyone know? Nobody watched Twilight? Twilight was the worst movies imaginable. I mean, my husband watched them recently. So good. It was like magical in the trees, and it was awesome. Well, the thing about the redwoods is they're connected on the bottom. Their root systems are actually all connected to each other. So the, so the older trees are so high that they're actually covering the canopies. And these young trees, instead of shooting up and shooting off, they grow like this. And some of you have stopped growing like this. Some of you have stopped growing your centers because Jesus is not your center. You know, what, you know what makes them grow? Connectivity. They're all connected. When one doesn't have water, the other one does. When one doesn't have enough sunlight, the other one does. We gotta be connected. Connectivity strengthens. So sacrifice looks like and ask, sacrifice looks like family. Sacrifice, man, sacrifice. Finally, sacrifice requires focus. So look at Nehemiah, and you can see this in the next chapter. He got all these people together. He didn't do it alone. He didn't do it alone. There were dudes everywhere building that gate, building that gate. And then the king went and got him a hookup with lumber. And it was like everybody had a job. It was awesome. But there was a focus. We were building something together. I want to encourage you that if you're attending here, if you call Liberty home and you're not serving, you're not technically building anything together. You're watching other people build it together. You're like, Chadi, you just got here. You can't say that. No, I can because I just got here. <laughs> So if you don't like me, that's okay. I'm used to people not liking me. <laughs> Look, next week, I'm going to serve on the worship team. Because platform is not a serving role for me. This is just because I'm your pastor with my husband, and we love you, and he makes me preach. My heart is to worship. I'm a worship leader. I've been a worship leader my entire life. I go to the front with Gigi and Cynthia and... And I show up at 8.30 to set up, but they've already set everything up, which is so frustrating. <laughs> so I try to serve on their team, but they won't let me. Why won't you guys let me connect? <laughs> I, I think of our kids' team that comes every week and serves. Gosh, you got to connect. you got to help build the walls. I know what the church did for me. 
I remember when Miss David and I first got married. Um, we almost got divorced in the first eight months. We were serving on staff at a church, and the church was falling apart, and we thought it was all about what we do instead of who we serve. And we needed a break. And we found a church. We walked in. It was literally like either we go to church or we get divorced. I was 22 years old. And all I thought was, it's great. I've been married for two seconds and I'm already going to get a divorce. And I'm a Christian and I'm a worship leader. I was so embarrassed. And we weren't speaking. And he was like, that girl at church, that church that she talks about, we should just go. Like last resort. And we walked in the doors. We didn't even talk. We sat down in the back. And the worship started. We didn't even stand. We just cried. And then the sermon started. I can't tell you what he preached. We just cried. And some lady turned around and she handed me her phone number. She just said, I just feel like you need to connect with someone. Found my best friends in that church. We still talk today. I was just trying to figure out how I could use my miles to fly one in so she could lead worship with me next week. This is the place, the church, the people that made me into who I am. Jesus used people to be with me when I had cancer and nobody was around, when my family and I were at wit's end. I watched God restore my parents. I, got, I watched God heal people in my family supernaturally. I've watched God do things that I can't even be... I, I can't even begin to tell you because you won't believe it. I remember being young like you guys and I, didn't I was like, God is the God of my parents. He's not the God of me. And I was in a Winn-Dixie. You guys know what a Winn-Dixie is? <laughs> I don't go to Winn-Dixie anymore. But anyways, I go to Publix. And uh, I was working at Winn-Dixie. I was 16 years old. And uh, I said to myself, God, if you're real, I want a Kit Kat and a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all laughing until the homeless guy walked in, bought a Kit Kat and a Coke, and handed it to me and walked out. I'm not kidding. Scary dude walked in. I said, this is finally going to happen. I'm going to end up on Dateline NBC. And he goes, he literally grabbed a Kit Kat and a Coke. I wasn't paying attention. And he goes, there you go, kid. That's for you. And he turned around and walked out. My God's the God that built my wall of faith with a Kit Kat and a Coke. My God is the God that built the walls of my marriage when things were the worst, when we didn't have a cent to our name and my red box was getting declined. Kids, red box is a thing that was, happened before Netflix where you would go to a, um, like, I don't know, like a 7-Eleven or like, uh, and you, it was like a Netflix and you would put like 99 cents in and get a movie back that you probably ended up paying $9 for because you never returned them. It's kind of like Blockbuster, Google it. That's the God who restored me from the red box. He's the God that kept us in ministry when we wanted to quit, when we were burnt out. He's the God that restored my parents. I keep saying that over again, guys, because you don't know. It cured my, my father-in-law of stage four cancer. Like, I just have only ever seen God move, but he did it within the walls of the church. So when I tell you 
to join, it's because I know the power of it. When I tell you to get in a group, I know the power of it. When I tell you to lead a group, I know what that did for me to all of a sudden start giving my reservoir of water and life to other people. Because God doesn't want you to be a retention pond. He wants you to be a reservoir. Some of us are living that retention pond life where we're just getting the overflow of Sunday. But he's called us to be in his word and in his prayer and praying and seeking him so that we, we can be clear reservoirs for all that he is. You know, I said this earlier, but Jesus is really the only real architect, the only rebuilder of who we are. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 8, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is by your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Guys, how are you gonna share your faith with anybody us that call us believers, followers of the way, followers of Jesus, if you didn't know that. Like, are you even confessing life out of your mouth? Are you confessing everything that he is out of your mouth? Or are you talking about how stressed you are, how broken you are, how this, how that? Even if you feel it, guys, feelings are great, but they're not God. That's why you gotta be in community so you can talk through things with people and be a safe place for people. I hope to God that my life is such a safe place that those that are in desperate need of Jesus, that when they encounter me, what they encounter is peace and hope and joy so that I can help rebuild walls. Nehemiah, man, they rebuilt that wall in 52 days. They, re they literally changed the way the Israelites would be all the way up until Jesus. Because he said yes, and he asked the king, and sometimes I'm wondering, what can we do with 52 Hey guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to the podcast. I hope that this message inspired you and that you leave, um, I don't know, encouraged. Encouraged to continue to make Jesus famous in your world. And uh, yeah, just know I'm praying for you and I'm thankful for you. And uh, let's, um, I don't know, stay in touch. Send me a DM, let me know how this message blessed you. And um, if you could be so kind, uh, leave me a review on the podcast. Uh, so whether it's on Apple or whether it's Spotify, I'd love to hear from you. All right, guys. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Love you, weirdos.